Welcome back, everyone, to Nintendo Dispatch, your weekly Nintendo podcast covering all things from the world of Nintendo. I am James Matamontamagno. And I am Michael Katsophagus Rivet. Oh, gosh. Uh, people don't know because they weren't on the Twitch stream listening to the story. It's a clip. Rustica got it. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. So how are you, buddy? I'm terrible. No, I'm terrible. I know you got a lot going on. You're 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 exhausted from work. I think you're doing 100, 120 hour weeks right now. So, yeah, it's it's just too much. No, it's, this is a big week. So by the time that this podcast comes over, uh, comes out on Wednesday, it'll be the last day of Microsoft Build, which is our big developer conference. Uh, it'll also be the last day of Google I.O., which is the big Google developer conference. And I work at Microsoft, as many of our listeners know. Uh, and it's it's a big it's a big, big week. We have a lot of Xamarin stuff going on, which is our mobile development platform. We have a lot of stuff in the world going on. So it's exciting. It's a big crunch, just like the big E3. Everyone's stressed. What games are you going to show? All this stuff. That's everything. All the teams, everyone's freaking out. Everyone's working late hours. And then it happens. And then it's great. And it's amazing. And then it's over. And you're like, whoo, I got to, you know, got one more year, a whole year. And then I yeah. got to do it all over again. So it's good. That's I'm excited. Good. I mean, that's kind of exciting. I mean, I know like leading up to it, that feeling is going to be amazing once you're in it. And then that even better when you're out of it and you could just be like, just let go. And we got it. We did it. Yeah. Enjoy the summer. It's beautiful here in Seattle. I'm glad people I'm glad it's here in Seattle, which is nice, but it's beautiful. It's 75 degrees today. It's going to hit 80 this week. Oh, I'm so excited. It's beautiful. Uh, we're in about the upper 50s and rainy still. So I'm. <laughs> It sounds like New York. I don't understand. We don't see a sun anymore. Ever, ever. There may be sun tomorrow. I don't know. But uh, luckily luckily for us, this is a light week. We can get through our podcast. We can share the little bit of news we have, and then you can get right back to work. Uh, and I can kick that off. We have a, a weird story, and this is something that needs to be like filed under. Yeah, obviously this happened, but Nintendo decided that they pull a game off of the eShop because the the person that developed it snuck a, a little Easter egg in there and they said, not today. Well, apparently on the, the 26th of April, they Nintendo decided to pull this off. And this is after the developer, uh, apparently Rahan, Rahan, he said he put out a post that said, Dear Ruby Devs and Game Devs, I have a crazy announcement I want to share. Please boost. Last week, I released a dark room to the Nintendo Switch. Within the game, I also shipped a Ruby interpreter and a code editor as an Easter egg. This Easter egg effectively turns every consumer-spec'd Nintendo Switch into a Ruby machine. So the steps, download a dark room from the eShop. Give me money, connect, a.k.a. give yep, me money. Basically, give me money. You pay for it first. Then you connect a USB keyboard and press the tilde key, and then you follow the on-screen instructions. Well, after this post and after it got boosted, Nintendo said, what is going on here? They decided to pull the game, which was completely to the publisher's surprise, Circle Entertainment. They had no idea this was even going on. And now, after the fact, after the game got pulled, uh, Rahan is very upset and very apologetic. He says he had no idea any of this was going to happen. I deeply regret that this has blown up. Quote, boost this, please. Like, share it with everybody. So he's upset. He says... 
that this was a simple toy. It's a sandbox environment and it's been framed as this massive exploit. So of course the community is going to exploit it. Of course everybody's going to be upset. He says, I'm partly to blame for this media post. I would say you're completely to blame. You are the developer. You put this in there. He goes on to say that I acted alone and stupidly. It was a last second spark of inspiration. And I snuck it in, assuming that plugging in a USB keyboard and pressing the tilde key would not be part of the test plan. These past three days have been the worst of my life. And I don't know what to say except that I'm sorry. And all I wanted to do was allow kids to feel the the joy that I felt 25 years ago when I discovered coding. Uh, he, he goes on to say how sorry he is. He can't believe it. But is this any surprise? Nintendo is known for like really stamping down on this. They don't want anything to do with this kind of stuff. Of course they pulled it. And now you have poor Circle Entertainment in there who's miserable about this. They had a spokesperson say a dark room was removed from the eShop on the 26th. And we learned of the likely reason for its removal through the weekend. They said that um, they're basically talking with Nintendo to find, figure out what they can do regarding this. Where can they go from here? How can they get it back on the eShop? But there's no news at this moment. And they will keep people posted. So nobody knows if it's going to get back on there. Mm -hmm. And this guy's probably not going to be making too many games for Circle Entertainment. Yeah. So the issue here with this, there's two two parts of it. So the first is that this was a game, right? A dark room is not a code editor. It's not a you know programming app or game, which you can have. Like there are interpretive type things on Android and on other you know other basic type editors that you can get on some game machines. But this is, you know, purely they, he snuck a, a, a entire thing inside of a game that's not part of the game, right? And that didn't go through review. It's, it's very sneaky. So that's one part. The other part is that the reason they would pull this is they have no idea if this is going to have any exploits. Is it going to mess with the machine? Could it brick machines? I don't really know. Yeah, like what and can, it may be harmless, could be. but that's not the point. He snuck it in and essentially maybe there's a backdoor. Nobody knows what yeah. the true potential is of having this little playroom in there that he put in. So they don't know. Nintendo has no way of knowing. Does this allow people to hack into our switch? Yeah. yeah. So of course they're going to pull it. They need to figure out like, why would you put this in there? Whether it was good intentions or not, why would you put this in there without not like checking it? And then on, on top of that, blow it up and post it and tell people to share it and not think Nintendo's going to pull that and say, well, you know, we can't have this can't have just that. happen. Yeah. You can, then you can't, you can't have developers. They can have secret endings. They can have Easter eggs in the game, but you can't put in this whole other thing in there. It makes no sense. Now the you know how video games work or how code works is everything is usually compiled. So what an interpreter does, and people maybe don't come from a development background, an interpreter interprets the source code. So in many programming languages, everything is compiled. So when you're writing stuff in C sharp or in Java or Swift or, or you know things like your apps that you're on your phone are are, are uh, compiled apps, and you can't you can't inject new code, right? That's the idea. Mm -hmm. You don't want to inject new code. 
And interpreted, we even have one for, for, for C-sharp and things, but interpreter takes the lines of code and it tries to execute them. So it acts as an executor. So that's what like JavaScript, modern browsers sort of yeah, execute your code um, just locally, just kind of running it and interpreting it. So yeah, this this is this could be bad. It could, it could be nothing like you said, but I think the idea of just, you can't do what you just did in those steps. That is what is wrong. And that most likely breached whatever his developer contract is, his or her contract is. So, uh, you know, I'm sure they had to have that in the contract. They had to have something about. Can't do that. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, well, it certainly can't put it on blast for everybody to talk about. What he could have done is released a separate app that was a Ruby playground that you could mm -hmm. do that, you know? So I didn't, yeah. well, I also didn't know you could plug in a keyboard into your switch. So there you go. <laughs> Me neither. I had no idea. <laughs> I guess a USB, you plug it in the dock, right? That works. I, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I guess. Well, on to some brighter news. Oh, nice. <laughs> now, uh, do you have a Game Boy Color at all sitting around? I honestly, I don't think I do anymore. So no, I don't I, think so. I do. Uh, I do. I have one sitting around. I love the Game Boy Color. It's my first Game Boy. Uh, and what's cool about the Game Boy Color is that it's in color, but it has really great games and it's backwards compatible with all the other original Game Boy games. So the issue with the Game Boy Color forever for me has been two things. One, if you go and buy one, it's all scratched up and all that stuff. So you can buy replacement modules. So I went on, on eBay, I bought a replacement module. You unscrew it, put it in, you have new glass cover, new, mine is a transparent um, orange, which is super cool. Um, cover for it, which is nice. But the other issue that is more horrific and is not such a nice feature is the screen itself. The Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advance after that are sort of just naturally lit specimens. You, they get the light in naturally. So when you're playing with the Game Boy Color, you have to have it under direct light or you have to have a lot of light that's going to light the screen. Unlike the Game Boy Advance SP, for instance, or the DS or the 3DS or the Switch, which are backlit screens. Well, there is a company that wants to brighten up everybody's world, which is ME <laughs> Midwestern Embedded. They have created the Game Boy Color Replacement LCD module, which you probably saw and was like, that seems like uh, silly. I don't know. Why would you want that? I knew we had a light week, so all I thought you were doing was posting links to replacement parts. <laughs> like, I had no idea what it was until I started watching the video. Yeah, so for over on the YouTube channel, This Does Not Compute, this gentleman bought one of these and did a review of it. And he had done a review of a different replacement module. And the issue with a lot of these modules are that you usually have to do a lot of soldering or this or that on top of it. This thing is dope. It is a mm. drop-in, super simple replacement that adds full backlit support that runs off the battery, which it says it gets three to four hours of battery life with. Now, what's cool is that you don't have to do anything special. It's very simple. Just kind of plug it in. I watched the video of him doing it live. It's beautiful. The screen is a near one-to-one -one replacement. Um, it, it has integrated pixel scaling to make it the picture even look crisper uh, in general. And what's nice is that you can integrate in different brightness levels. So if you hook up additional switches into it, you can press like the start button and select button and say up, down, and it'll adjust the brightness by eight different brightness levels, which is crazy. Um, like I said, it gets about three hours of runtime. I totally want to buy one and they're $65, which I think is expensive, but a great price. And I would totally buy it, except for it's completely out of stock. 
Yeah, it's out of stock. I mean, honestly, if that sixty-five bucks, I I feel like that would make me use my Game Boy Color again. Oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, it looks beautiful in the video, and we'll post a link to it and everything else. But it, it is beautiful, and it seems like it works really, really well. And he even talks about that, like you had said, that you know, a lot of the other screens that come out, there's heavy modification required to make them work. This he he used an Exacto blade to kind of shape a little bit of the the casing, mm-hmm. and it's pops right in and it was gorgeous and it it was very very cool to see the screen the way it should have always been i mean it it looks so good it looks so good i'm telling you it's really cool to see if nintendo released a game boy color light edition because there was a game boy lighted they they released a backlit one in japan i think it was the game boy light l-i-t-e and uh, it had a backlit light in it at one time almost about 95 percent sure listeners you can write in and tell me i'm terribly wrong but I always wanted that, right? And that was the big selling point of the SP because I had the Game Boy Advance, but it wasn't backlit. And I had the, you, everyone had that dongle. St- I had the light, ah. the stupid light. <laughs> so it just plugged in. And you had this little light antenna that would put light on your screen. And it would it would focus in on one spot. It was like, pff, mad cats. Ugh. Um, no. Yeah. So anyways, I am on the wait list for this. I definitely want one. Uh, and I, I won't put it together. I'll have my friend who's an electrical engineer help me out. And it's probably really simple, but I'll have him do the little additions so I can do the brightness levels because I want it. Yeah, that was the only thing I was looking at when I was watching. I was like, well, I don't know if I trust myself to do this well, yeah. <laughs> well enough. So if you have somebody that has even just the slightest idea on like electronics, and I would have them at least oversee it and make sure, you know, because it, it did look like I could. Personally, I would screw this up. Now, in also awesome, amazing news, have you seen that Sonic the Hedgehog trailer that came out? Boy, does that look good. Sega nailed it. I feel like we had to discuss this just a little bit. It is a slow week, so we wanted to talk about the trailer that we all saw. Uh, Whoo! Uh, I don't even know where to begin with this, honestly. So we know that Jim Carrey is in this. He is playing Dr. Robotnik. And up until the very end, there's this little stinger at the very end where he now looks like Robotnik. But up the whole thing, even he, his character didn't look as I would in, in plan. But even more disturbing was Sonic himself. Whoa, whoa. That is scary. I mean, we had all seen posters. We had all seen, uh, you know, teasers of like the the weird runner's leg muscles of Sonic and things like that. So people knew, I don't know. So now we're seeing the trailer in action. We're seeing the weird human teeth Sonic has. We're seeing the strange eyes, the legs. People are not happy people are just not happy about this and before we get into more of it what was your initial thoughts loved it okay so everything about this trailer was horrific so Mm. from the intro to the plot which who knows the music the music was terrible sonic looked terrible the voicing was terrible they spent so much money on jim carrey it looked it looked like he was not even happy to be part of it uh, I didn't even know what his character was up until the end, which we talk about in the trailer. Oh, I know. So weird. every part of it, I was like, no, bad. No, stop it. Why? Ow, my eyes. Ow, oh, God. Why? No. Um, Like, what is happening? Just every every 10 seconds, it got worse. And it just kept getting worse. And 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 I know that 
I now know that a movie where you have animated characters that are in the CG world with real humans can work because Detective Pikachu is getting glowing ratings and I cannot wait to see it. And this came out on like the eve. They just were like, you know what we're going to do? Take this Pokemon. Boom. But like, honestly, it is horrific. And I was disgusted (laughs) by this trailer. It's just every part of it really just upset me. (laughs) Yeah, I... Okay, so my experience with Sonic, I've always been a Sonic over a Mario. I'm watching it right right? now. I'm watching it right now. I'm already disgusted. Oh, you're just so you're just going to be boiling over with disgust. So I've always loved Sonic. I've always loved the character of Sonic. I've always loved the Sonic games. I've always been a fan of it. And when I saw this, not only did I hate it, it made me hate all of Sonic. I just thought it was so poorly done. I mean, I remember getting up and watching the Sonic cartoon, and that would be my show before school, and I would just love it. I loved Sonic. I really, really enjoyed the character. I loved that he liked chili dogs. I love chili dogs. Like, we are brothers. I, I don't run, but we're brothers, me and Sonic. And then when I saw this, I was just upset and I can't believe that, you know, what they did to this beloved character. Now, I will say there was ever since that trailer came out, people have come out with their own versions of what it should have been. Little tweaks, little things to make it. Edward Pond from Sucker Punch actually tweeted out what he thinks it should have done. And there's such simple fixes and it totally totally fixes sonic they first put back his legs to just like the little stick figures they put his little arms back to like little stick figures they make his head bigger which it's always been kind of bigger and they fix the eyes why are you giving him weird and get rid of the human teeth get he's not a human it looks like a furry like they just put a person in a sonic suit that's not the character you had pikachu who nails it in Detective Pikachu, whereas Sonic is just so bad. So with all of this, with Edward and all of the people just jumping on this, they decided, you know what? <laughs> we can't come out with the movie in its current state. Cancel. They Cancel are actually, it. They, they are stopping and they're fixing it. They're going back and they're fixing Sonic. So I'm... I, I can't wait. I think this is this could this could be amazing. <laughs> yeah, here's here's what Jeff Fowler said. He was the director. He said, thank you for the support and the criticism. I'm pretty sure it's mostly criticism, by the way. It's mostly uh, criticism. Yeah. Nobody's supported um, this. The message is loud and clear. Dot dot dot. You aren't happy with the design and you want changes. It's gonna happen. Everyone at Paramount and Sega Sega are fully committed to making this character the best he can be dot 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 hashtag sonic movie hashtag gotta fix fast here's here's jeff don't fix it fast fix it at the pace in which it needs to be fixed so it's not Mm. the most terrible looking like not only i mean i could already tell this movie would not be good by the first five seconds but like the having Mm. the entire trailer whoever mixes trailers are like the best parts of the movie and when you and if this was it (laughs) rough I mean, all of it seems bad, yeah. right? Who who picked out the music? That's not that's not character design. So granted, Sonic looked like crap, but so did the the sound. So did the feel. The feel of the entire thing felt like crap. So they need to figure it out. They need to take this Times Square Sonic and get him out of here. Put a real Sonic like body and style in there, and make this something people 
would watch. You know, they could have even just done this all as CG. Like it could have just been an animated yeah. film, and it, why it doesn't even need to be in like like live action. You could have just made a CG Sonic, and people would have would have loved that. So I don't know. We had to talk about it a little bit. It was it was terrible. It was eating us up, and we wanted to share that disappointment with everyone else. Well, let's get on to some weird game news. Uh, out of the blue, the long rumored, which I didn't know was long rumored until it came out, Pokemon Pass came out. What do you think of Pokemon Passes? Because it sounds delightful. It does sound it does sound delightful. I will say in my experience, before we really get into it, the hardest part of Pokemon Pass is logging into Pokemon Pass. Getting your pass. You need your, yeah, you need the pass. I don't know my my pokemon trainer id number apparently that i'm supposed to have for this thing and that was the hardest part of using the pokemon pass so the pokemon pass is a really genius idea idea because it goes along with a lot of the things happening in the world of pokemon and pokemon go so it's an app for ios and android and you can download it for free today where you get pokemon digital rewards when you visit participating retailers who doesn't want to go what? into your favorite retailer and get pokemon swag Anyways, you finally, finally, great. What a great idea, because I didn't already walk by five billion Starbucks to flip around and get some get some drinks. Um, anyway, so you go and you visit the store you uses the camera. You can scan codes, you use your GPS and you can get in-game items for Pokemon. Let's go Pikachu and let's go Eevee and also uh, photo stickers and things, uh, which we unlocked finally. And you get a little detective Pikachu that you can take a photo with people with. That was very much fun. We'll tweet those out. I'll probably use them <laughs> on nintendodispatch.com. So you need to set up all this stuff. But again, you need to log in with your Pokemon Trainer Club account. And you're probably saying, what the heck is a Pokemon Trainer Club account? Well, that is the account that you've used over the last 8 billion years to do anything in the world of Pokemon. The trading card game, Pokemon Go, that Pokemon Quest game. And you probably have a username which you've forgotten. And you probably have a password that you've forgotten. And you have a Pokemon Go player ID that you have no idea what it is. Uh, so it took me before the podcast today, what about 20 minutes to get it working about, about 20 minutes yeah. worth it. Totally awesome. <laughs> worth it. So yeah, yeah. I I'm excited for the possibility of what we can get with this. I mean, right now, literally you get a sticker yeah. that you can put on some photos. Yes. So now in the next few months, you can read, you can go into like target, I think, and you can get a shiny, uh, Pikachu or shiny Eevee, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So I'm definitely doing and that. And there's a lot of targets, and I love Target, so it's a win-win for everyone involved. Their their logo is very similar to ours. There's a circle. Gotta love circles. Gotta collect them all. So I will say that, like, you know, we were joking, but if you don't know your Pokemon password or any of that stuff, make sure you know it, because that really is the, the key to getting into this. Uh, other than that, there's really not a whole lot you can do right now until the 11th. That's That's, that's And if you don't have Pokemon Let's Go... Which I don't. Uh, I'm not even sure there's value in that. But I, I, I want to get it, right? I want to get it so I have it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So I wonder, I guess if you get the code, you'll probably be fine, fine for whenever you get the game. Yeah, just got to remember my password. All right, well, here's a little unconfirmed news. We all love the Nintendo Switch Online NES system. Uh, well, apparently the website has leaked the next batch of games. It is everybody's favorite e-reader series coming out. That is right. You know, e-reader for the Game Boy where you'd swipe cards and the games would come up. You can now play those on your NES service. <laughs> Donkey Kong Jr., 
Verse Excite Bike, and Clue Clue Land, everybody's favorite titles ever created in history. Yeah, Clue Clue Land. I had no idea what that was. And because we don't have the official, this was like a tease or like maybe Nintendo screwed up. We don't have any of the actual descriptions. Uh, we still don't know what Clue Clue Land is. I've never played mm. it. I don't, I'm not you familiar played, with it. You haven't it. played Clue Clue Land? It's a classic NES no. title. Oh my goodness. So it is, uh, it was originally released uh, in 1984. So before I was born and you were probably like 30 by then. So um, yeah, about 30. Yeah, about 30. it's like a, uh, you know, game. It's like a platformer, okay. puzzle, puzzle platformer. Sounds good. Game, puzzle game. Yeah, like you collect things. I don't remember. I've never played it really, but um well, now you will be able to play Clue Clue Land when it comes out. I feel bad because I've seen Clue Clue Land. I've seen, I've probably owned it many a times. I feel like this is one of the games when I bought my Nintendo 3DS for way too much money and then they gave you all those free games. I bet this is in there, the Ambassador program. Uh, mm. But I, th- I think it's like a puzzle where you go around and you can sort of make turns only on certain uh, posts or whatever. Um, okay, that looks cool. I do like I really like Donkey Kong Junior. So I think that's cool. So and I like Excite Bike. I used to really yeah. like playing that one. So I mean, there's something there, I guess. I I mean these 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 games never do a whole lot for me. But you know what we whatever we get them. It's part of the twenty dollars. You know what we need to do though, since it's Verse Excite Bike, which is the multiplayer series. I wonder if there's online multiplayer for Excite Bike. Oh. We could stream that. That would be cool. We'll have to see when they actually announce it. Yeah. <laughs> if it actually has online support, because that could be, I would assume it's, it is Excite Bike. Just now they made it so you can play multiplayer. That'd be cool. I'm in. Right? And then we can use the app because you can talk in the app. Oh, we'll have to test oh. out. It's been the first time in forever since we've used the app. Let's do, let's do a, now, let's do an Excite Bike verse night. I'm in, I'm all about it. That could be cool. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Now, another game that everybody is super excited for and has been waiting for for a very long time is Bayonetta 3. So recently, VGC had a sit down with Platinum Studio Head Atsushi Inaba, and he kind of gave some uh, confusing new tidbits regarding the development of Bayonetta 3. Now, apparently the design process of Bayonetta 3 compared to 1 and 2 is going to be completely different. So he is saying that making Bayonetta sequels has always been a, a pain, quote, and a hassle. And for us creators, we want to get to the point where self-publishing allows us to own our IP and do what we want with it including make sequels. The studio hopes to move away from the reliance of external publishing funding, which is, I would assume, Nintendo, uh, and they want to control their own IP. So before we get into too much more, this is interesting because it makes me think they had a direction they want to go with Bayonetta and maybe Nintendo is squashing that. Why else would it be a pain and a hassle and everything else? Or maybe it's the funding side. It's just tough to get the money from them. I'm not really sure. They, they didn't really explain that much of it, but these are just like tidbits and like little hints as to where Bayonetta 3 is going. Uh, the original games were created in an orthodox chronological order. Bayonetta 3 is going to be something that's totally different, apparently. Perhaps explaining, this may explain why the studio has actually said this is going to be crazier than any of the others. They were quoted to say, with Bayonetta 1 and 2, we had basically an orthodox development process, um, and we did stage 1, then stage 2, then stage 3, built up the drama, pacing, all of that. With Bayonetta 3, 
we can say that we learned enough from making the past two games to change our process in a way that's different to what I just described. Cool. Good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, cool. And I don't understand. So here's here's my question, right? Reading through these articles, reading through the interview, I couldn't understand if he was describing the process at which they build the game or the impact it's going to have on the game itself. So do you think, okay, they in the past, they had this orthodox style where they developed level one, two, three, blah, blah, blah. Now they're just doing it. However, apparently we're doing four and then one and then do you think that's how that's what he's explaining here? Or do you think he's saying they're fundamentally changing the actual game? Like, is it going from a stage game to an open world Bayonetta or something crazy? No, I, I think that they learned just how to break up different pieces of the game in sort of the, the cycle. So I think that they they learned a lot from one and two in the cycle of what worked good for that process, because one and two has some similarities. Mm-hmm. But I think in this instance, it is. How are we going to change the game? So the game is going to be different and it's different because we changed how we developed the game. So it's sort of chicken and egg situation. Did the, you know, did did you change the system so you can change the game or did the game change because you changed the system uh, in this regard? But it seems positive. It seemed that seemed positive. The part about, you know, I assume like wanting to finance it yourself and all these things is, is great, but there's some perks, I believe with, being friends with Nintendo, I mean, I would get Bayonetta so. in Smash Brothers, uh, which is pretty big yeah. in both both the last one and this one, which I think is really cool, obviously. And there's a lot of cross promotion there. Now, maybe they don't want it to be published by Nintendo because they actually want it to be on other consoles. You know, maybe that's they're like we we maybe there's some limitations they're running into and they can't make the game that they want. Uh, and that that could be. But uh, we'll have yeah. to wait until it comes out and see what happens. Uh, in general, but Nintendo does seem to love platinum games. They've had a long, good relationship with platinum games, and I do love platinum games themselves. So uh, it would be nice uh, when this comes out and just see how it is, uh, how different it is. But I'll, I'll definitely pick it up. This made me a little worried because they're still talking about the way they develop the game. So it makes me feel like, oh, geez, are we still at that stage where you're kind of really early in mm-hmm. the process? So I, I don't know. Uh, we just thought it would be something. We haven't heard a whole lot about Bayonetta, and this was the most recent thing we got. So we wanted to share that with the listeners. Yeah. Well, let's get to everyone's most anticipated supply drop of their entire life. The Fortnite Loot Llama Supply Drop Update. Michael, what you got for us, buddy? <laughs> so this this uh, Saturday, actually, we had a live event, another live event. If you remember last time, it was the DJ party, like the lights marshmallow. and the marshmallow doing his thing. Well, this time a vault, which was in Loot Lake, opened. Now, I, I had no idea any of this was happening. I, I Apparently, I don't pay enough, enough attention. I don't know why this people even know this stuff. But there has been a long, about a month of people completing challenges. And each challenge they were able to complete, it would open another lock on the vault, right? So they're going around, they're chopping down trees, they're doing whatever they're doing. And that makes one of the locks open up. Well, on Saturday at about 3 p.m. Eastern time, the door blew off this thing and boy, oh boy, was it underwhelming because you jump down in this giant cavern and there's all these like um, these these basically these columns of different 
like the airplane was in there and different weapons that have been vaulted that have been put in the Mm -hmm. vault and players run up and they start chipping at the weapon or item they want back and majority rules. So now we have this new weapon back in Fortnite that the players picked the majority of the players because they, they freed it from the vaults. And during this whole event, there was uh, if you've jumped on any time within season eight, you know there's a volcano. That volcano has now erupted, and it's shot pieces of molted lava everywhere. So chunks of the map are totally gone now. Oh, no. This is craziness, craziness. So yeah, this was a lot. I love all of these live events. I, you know, love them or hate them. I really these these things are so cool. And if this was, man, I I, I just picture like. The excitement I get now, I almost wish I could have that experience when I was like 15 or like 20 years ago, you know, where it was just the idea of a bunch of people jumping into a game and experiencing something live, changing the map that even that idea alone is crazy to me, right? Like a map that gets changed. You you just get used to playing the same thing over and over. Like, could you imagine if GoldenEye had maps that suddenly were different? No, you can't. So this is cool. I, I always love this stuff. I love the, the community aspect of it and sharing in something together and people watching it and talking about it. So yeah, that happened Saturday. Very, very nice. cool. Yeah, I did not partake, but I do need to boot it up because every time we do a supply drop update, since I got back from holiday, I'm like, I need to do this. I need to do this. So I think this is the week after build. I'm going to jump back in and see what happens. So, oh, you better. Cool. I, there's only three days left. In the season? Of the season. It, no it, yeah it blew by you buddy there's only three days left season uh, we're already uh week 10 is already unlocked so people are working on the challenges good lord i oh, know it goodness. goes quick it goes quick yeah. well i gotta jump in and i gotta unlock some stuff yeah, at least so. gotta see the craziness that's yeah. that's happened because the, the map is just totally different so well is it actually going to be over? Because last time we thought it was over, but then they gave you an extra two weeks. I, I don't, I, everything on the counter. Well, maybe, you know what? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because it, it, all the counters have three days left. So I don't know if that mm. means that's the kickoff of the new season or that just means the current season is over and then you kind of have a limbo period where you're just playing for playing sake or if that's the start of the new uh, no, season you're right. nine. Right here. I'm 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 gonna give you uh according to gamesradar.com, the it will run from Thursday, February twenty eighth until Wednesday, May eighth. And that's it. You are correct. So this is the last day. So you've already if you're listening, it's already over. Yeah. And then that means probably Thursday will be the start of season nine. Boom. Ooh. Fresh start for everyone. Fresh but, start, go time. Servers yeah. will go down. Well, you know, I would like to play some games, but people are playing them. So get to those bestsellers, son. Yeah. So every week we like to run down the top 10 and no surprise week after week. Number one spot is Cuphead again. Amazing. Followed by Mortal Kombat 11, Dragon's Dogma, Katana Zero, Timberman Versus in the fifth spot. Must have been on sale. Followed by Minecraft, SteamWorld Quest up in the top 10 there. In the eighth spot, Stardew Valley Never Leaves followed by Rocket League, and then rounding out the top 10 is Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Now, in addition to the top 10, we also like to mention the new arrivals that maybe didn't hit top 10, but they did make the top 30, and that would be Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age in the 14th spot, and Box Boy and Box Girl in the 16th spot. 
very cool for Mortal Kombat seeing that in the second place. That's really good. Good news, I would say. It is. The reviews have been very mixed, though, on the Switch version. Apparently, it's it's struggling a little bit, but hopefully they'll get that that sorted out. I hope, you know, but uh, it's there. It's it's up there. Top top two. Top top of the charts. All right. Well, let's get to the stuff that you can pick up new this week. There's a few physical games that you can go to the shop and pick up coming on May 7th will be Shakedown Hawaii, which I will talk about a little bit more because I'm super stoked on it. And then on May 9th for the King, a strategic RPG, which looks gorgy. Mm-hmm. And then finally on May 10th, if you need some Saints Row open world ridiculousness in your life, Saints Row the third, the full package for $40 will be out on May 10th. You can get all of your Saints Row shenanigans going on and shooting things and doing things kind of like Grand Theft Auto, but not, uh, but <laughs> online. So there's that. So, and also there, it works with the smartphone app. That's yeah. cool. That's Look cool. That. Why not? More things on the smartphone app, more reasons to have it. Have you played us? Have you ever played a Saints Row? No, I was always a GTA guy. I was, I never got into Saints Row. I always liked Grand Theft Auto. That was my jam. Yeah, I always thought that uh, the Saints Row, one of the first ones that came out, it was uh, a little bit more over the top, but it yeah. also had a lot of professional uh, like crossovers, like with the hip hop artists and different like, rap mm-hmm. artists and different different DJs and things like that were always in it, and it was really over the top, open world ridiculousness but this is an m-rated game you know and, and oh yeah um really ridiculous this comes with everything so in the cool thing is the online is the co-op so you can play co-op through the whole thing which i think is kind of nice but uh i, I never played just any cool of them. seeing it on the switch i mean yeah. that's that, even that is pretty impressive very very cool that it's making its way it make be awesome to get a gta on there i mean i don't that's know that's right just saying and it's good that it's only 40 dollars. that seems like the right thing yeah. to do so yeah and it's on sale so it's 40 dollars regular price and but right now it's on sale for 36 not that it's a huge difference but 36 Something. does sound better than 40 yeah so now as far as digital downloads we have may 7th we get european conqueror x or 10 i don't know for ten dollars it's on sale for eight dollars Car Mechanic Manager for $4 and Poyo Poyo Champions for $10. On the 8th, we get Meow Motors for $15 on sale for $13.50. And then on the 9th, we get Ascendance for $6. Lost Artifacts Soul Stone for $10. Masquerada Songs and Shadows for $20. Monster Puzzle for $5. Frame Dragon's Odyssey. For $13, but it's on sale for $11.70. Mecha Knight's Blood Bagos for $15. And then on the 10th, we have Dragon Pinball, $3 on sale for $2. My Big Sister, $6. Lovecraft's Untold Stories for $15. Blazing Beaks, $15 on sale for $7.50. That's a, that's a good deal. And then Reverse Crawl. So let's go back. What what stood out to you? You had a couple checks. I got a lot of checks this week. Uh, so I'll kick it off. Which one I'm the most excited for uh, is that Shakedown Hawaii. This was in one of the Nindy Directs. Uh, these are from our good friends over at V Blank uh, Entertainment. They did Retro City Rampage, which is sort of a top down GTA 
that came out for almost all the different consoles at this time. But this one follows um, three pro- protagonists in this 16-bit open world sort of top down that are trying to acquire businesses, sabotage people in Hawaii and rezone land and do all this stuff. But it's really sort of twin stick shooter, over the top ridiculousness. Uh, Watching the trailer for it, which I had watched back during the Nindirect and then watching it again, there's a lot of love and passion in this this game. I, I can tell that the developer spent a lot of time in it. You're kind of crafting this biggest world. It's only one player, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate, but uh, I think the game looks really cool and I, I'm definitely into it. it. It is $20, but I think that, that that's a good price because I believe that it is a very large type of game like Retro City Rampage, which was a phenomenal game. Just a really, really good game. So that's my, that's my pick of the week mm. right there. That did look pretty interesting. I wasn't able to commit to that one. I only have one check this this entire week and that is for the king and uh this one you had already mentioned it's a strategic rpg but it also looks like a tabletop game which is something i've been really i I haven't been able to pull trigger on a lot of the games that have come out that are in this sort of vein but this one looks beautiful it looks really really interesting it's a single player experience or you can play co-op with online or local co-op and so that makes that makes it even better in my opinion the idea that you can get online and you and i could be playing this or or anybody else i like that a lot um it's a they're they're describing it as a blend of strategy turn-based combat and roguelike elements so that each playthrough is different and i think that's pretty pretty good i don't love procedural stuff but in this case i think it'll be okay like when we were playing rico you know and stuff getting broken mm-hmm. because it's procedurally generated this seems like a format that would fit to that better that allows for that a little bit more so that you're not getting all the the broken elements and this switch version includes all of the content all of the expansions everything that's ever come out for 20 bucks so it's beautiful it seems like it's something if any sort of tabletop game is uh is something you like this might be the game for you yeah and this game looks really really pretty uh yeah I can't even describe the art style it's geo geo i would say geometric yeah for sure it's kind of got like if anybody's familiar with um oh she's polit- polytopia is a game that's it's a mobile game that also is on steam and it's kind of has these all geometric shapes everything's made up of these geometric shapes it's very similar to that style but it's just really really well done very very there's a there's a screenshot uh on the nintendo website of it and there's one where there's the three uh different players and there's this bear that's looking at them Mm. and the bear is all texture it's got these you know geometry parts of it it's it's really really deep the detail but you know really unique and i really like the look of it in motion i thought it was cool so i'll see how it kind of uh comes out but i do like that it's online looks like there's some love in there I checked some other ones, though, I wanted to point out here. Uh, One was Poyo Poyo Champions. This, to me, is sort of the Mm -hmm. Tetris 99 competitor, but for $10. Uh, uh, (laughs) This is uh, Poyo Poyo. So if you like Poyo Poyo, and there was a Poyo Poyo Tetris that came out originally. This is a fast-paced, competitive Poyo game where you can play online up to four players. Um, um, And then you can also do your own local tournaments up to eight players, which is kind of cool. And there's different rule sets from Poyo Poyo 2 and Poyo Poyo Fever. So if you're a Poyo Poyo fan, 
Poyo Poyo, $10. Oh, boyo, oh, boyo Poyo. Oh, Boyo Poyo. Yeah. So if you're a Poyo, I, I was, the thing is, I'm not really a Poyo Poyo fan. When I bought the Poyo Poyo mm. Tetris originally, it's because I really wanted to play Tetris. Uh, but now I got Tetris 99. There's no real reason for it. But uh, I know Poyo Poyo is a very large game uh, in other regions. I don't think it's as big in the US, but it's nice to see some love here. And if people don't know if they're a Poyo Poyo fan, I think that one that you mentioned mm -hmm. has a demo. Yep. So people could try it in the demo. And if you're if it is your thing, maybe Champions is something you would want to look into or even the Poyo Poyo Tetris yeah. version, because uh, that's kind of like two games in one then, I guess. Yeah. Right. But it, it's 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 fun. It's kind of like that. If all of those Dr. Mario, Tetris, Poyo Poyo, they all kind of have that same sort of vibe yeah. to me. The other one I'm, I'm into, there's two other ones. One is uh, My Big Sister. This one is a top-down 1816-bit RPG-like adventure game. It's intriguing because you play as this like 12-year-old uh, who her and her sister have gotten kidnapped. And you are, it's not about your character, it's about the sister that you're trying to go and find and make your way home. It looks very creepy in the 16-bit 8-bit weirdness that it has going on, uh, <laughs> but it, it is this kind of top-down um, game and it's really cheap. It's like $7. It's from, uh, published by Redalock Games, who did um, Super Destronauts and Tell by Stranga, but uh, I don't know too much about it besides the trailer looks cool and creepy, but the game that I thought looked really, really cool from our good friends over at Cubit Games was Blazing Beaks, which again, you said is on sale for 50% mm. off. This game is a roguelike because everybody loves roguelikes. Everybody got to love them. But this game reminds me of binding of Isaac a little bit in an. Yeah, a, I can you see play that. as a duck and you play through the story mode where I believe everything I, I'm assuming everything's procedurally generated. Why wouldn't it be? Um, uh, yeah, randomly generate levels. I didn't have to, I just didn't have to read it. I knew it was. Yeah, you just, you can just tell. I mean, that's, that's like the thing for every game. Roguelike yep. procedurally yep. generated. Yep. Boom. So what's cool here is that you go in, just it's twin stick shooter mayhem. Um, you know, you're collecting things, you're cashing them in for different weapons. Uh, it just seems really, really, uh, really cool. Uh, just in general, the art style looks cool. If you like the Binding of Isaac, I think you'll probably be into this type of game. A little bit more lighthearted, even though it is rated E 10 plus. So um, that's it. Now, I said that I pre-purchased one of these games. Michael, you have to pick. What do you think you I did? did. I, I'm going to I I have to assume it's Shakedown Hawaii. It's got a double check. Next Negative. To it. No. Was it the rever or Blazing, Blazing Beaks? Beaks 50% off. I can't pass it wow, up. Oh, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a great deal. It's like you said, if you're going to buy this game, now's the time to yep. buy it. Now's the time to buy it. So very, very, I cool. bought, I was like, you know what? This, this game is calling me right now. I think I'm going to pick it up and give it a go. Cause I don't, you know, who doesn't need yet another game that I'm probably not going to play. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, speaking of that, that gets us to everybody's favorite segment of the show. What you playing? I didn't play anything. So there you go. I played. <laughs> Good thing you bought another game. <laughs> I, I, I played. What's my Pokemon username reset for 30 minutes. Yeah, that was a good. That was a, it was a co-op. It was a co-op. <laughs> it was an game. online co-op adventure. It was really good. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to guess your passwords while you were logging in. <laughs> yeah. But well, all right. Well, that, you have an excuse. You have been very busy. 
I I have played a couple things very little. I did get back into Dawn of Survivors, so I was playing that just a little bit, working on my base, trying to kill some zombies. Fortnite, obviously, I'm trying to get through. I you know we three days got three days. I got to get my challenges in, and uh, still chipping away at Steam World Heist. So no nothing new, nothing to shake up the list. But that was what I've been playing this. Are week. you finding Dawn of Survivors something you're gonna keep playing with? I mean, I did buy it for two bucks and I haven't booted it up yet, so. Yeah, I mean, I go back to it like it was the same thing with the mobile app. The the difference that stopped me playing with the mobile app is it got extremely difficult and that was in order to get you to buy uh, stuff, right? So the wait time started to get real long. With the Switch, we don't really have those. They do have uh, like diamonds or, or gems or something that allows you to like move faster, but I don't know if there's in-game purchases to do that. I haven't put that, I'm going to maybe five hours, 10 hours into the game. But so far right now, it's exactly the mobile game that I was really enjoying, except on my Switch and I haven't paid anything yet. Uh, I'm not at a point where I feel like there's a lot of pushback from the game. It's me just learning the mechanics. You kind of, okay, now you need to build this. So you're just gathering what you need to build. So you're kind of still in the tutorial but it's not a tutorial it's still the game sort of thing um but i'm enjoying it it's it's there's for, it's like two yeah. bucks it, it, you it's it's hard to say that it's not worth the two dollars i have not found anything that was that was making mm. me buy anything nice yeah i will check yeah. it out I'm, I'm excited to give it a try this week and report back how i feel and maybe play online with you because i know it's online multiplayer so i don't know do yeah. i do i need to be like at the same rank as you or can you just jump in at any time I, I feel like you could probably just jump in at any time. I mean, we'll have to we'll have to experiment because I've never played multiplayer with it. And and I will say on the I haven't experienced anybody in my mm. game yet. Whereas on the mobile game, granted, these are not the same game. They are they are the same game, but they're not the same game. Um, same title. So my my thinking is that it's it would handle it the same way. Whereas on the mobile game, I would be running around my base. And I, you, there's a, there's a little mini map up in the corner and that shows up as a red dot when there's mm. a zombie or something, but so do other players. So occasionally you'd see a, a, a dot that's moving, not like a zombie. And you would be like, Oh, that's a real player. And you would go and look. And if you attack them and are able to kill them, you get everything they're wearing and, oh, and have. I have not come across the real player yet in my game. Now that's not to say you don't, it just, maybe I'm the only one playing the game. I don't know. So, you know, you would have to assume they're also going to the same places that you're going because you have a base and then you have a world map and you pick where you uh -huh. want to go. So you have places that are like resource heavy and then you have places that are owner like this is my base. And I want to go and attack their base and knock down their wall and steal what they have. So I haven't done that yet because I just don't I'm fighting with sticks, Got basically. It. So I'll be interested to see if. If we can jump in together, I think that would be a lot of fun if we yeah, that'd can. Be fun. We'll give it a try. Well, all right. Well, I'm going to go crush this conference and then report back and maybe play some games this week once it's all over. Uh, but thanks, <laughs> Michael, as always, for being absolutely amazing. And uh, thanks to all of our listeners and everyone that was watching us live on Twitch. We super appreciate that. You can, of course, watch us live on Twitch every Sunday around four or five on uh, in the afternoon there, Pacific time. Go to twitch.tv slash Nintendo Dispatch. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Dispatch Podcast, where we tweet it out when we're going live. Or just, you know, head over to NintendoDispatch.com, send us an email, follow, subscribe, do all the things. We would love it. Uh, we love hearing from our listeners. So I think that's going to do it for this week. So that has been your Nintendo Dispatch. <laughs>